0: Awesome. Well, good morning. It's been a while since I've been up here. Uh, I had to get married, so that's why I haven't been able to preach for a little bit. So, thank you. <laughs> so, also, since the year is almost ending, I might as well wear a suit so Brian can at least say I tucked my shirt in for one time that I preached. So, on, on January fifteenth, two 2009, U.S. Airways Flight 1549 took off from New York City's LaGuardia Airport, heading towards Charlotte, North Carolina. Flying the aircraft was pilot Chelsea Sullenberger and his first officer, Jeffrey B. Sykes. The two of them had a combined flying time of 35,000 hours. The flight took off at 3.24 p.m., and within three minutes, at 3.27 p.m., the plane struck a flock of Canadian geese at the altitude of 2,818 feet. At this time, it's recorded that the passengers and crew heard a very loud bang and saw flames from the engines, followed by the stench of jet fuel. Realizing that both engines had shut down, the pilots did what they were supposed to do. They tried to get the backup power on, restart the engine, flip some switches, take over controls. It was determined at 3.31 p.m. that the plane would not would have to make a water ditching or a water landing in the Hudson River. We all know how the story ended. The plane safely landed in the Hudson, and all 155 people on board survived the landing. This incredible water landing of flight 1549 has become known as the miracle on the Hudson. An NTSB official said this of the incident. He says, the most successful in aviation history. These people knew, the pilots knew, the crew knew what they were supposed to do. And as a result, no lives were lost. Now, I only can imagine what was going through the minds, the thoughts of everyone on board this flight. See, this was a time of peril. Right? We read the flying is safe. I hate flying. That flying is safe. I imagine these people, their thoughts running through their minds of lost families, of their families living without them. The rush of worry. However, I also wonder in that moment of trial, of uncertainty, of sheer loss, that some passengers had faith in the pilots, had faith in the crew, had faith in the training of the pilots. See, the passengers on the flight 1549 didn't know about the 35,000 hours of combined flight time of both pilots. They also didn't know that the pilot, Sullenberger, was flying for over 20 years on top of being a former fighter pilot and also an expert glider. I mean, he could glide the plane down. So why bring up this incredible story? Well, because this morning we are not going to be looking at a broken airplane but we're going to be looking at a lion's dead and broken people. Not a story of 155 people in danger, but of a single man in danger. And a world of, in danger of sin. And we're going to see that a single man who rescued Daniel in the lion's dead was sent to rescue us. We're going to see that faith that rescued us not from a falling airplane, but faith that rescues us from sin. Faith that is evident in a prayer life of relying on God constantly. Faith that rescues from our own lines then. And ultimately, faith that rescues us from sin. This morning, we're going to be unpacking Daniel chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Daniel chapter 6. I'm not going to read all the verses. I am going to have some of them on the screen. Last Sunday, Pastor Brian walked us through Daniel chapter 5. And actually, at the end of Daniel chapter 5, in verses 29 through 31, Daniel sets up what's going to happen in Daniel 6. It says, Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck, and a proclamation was made about him, that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the chandelion king, was killed. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. We see that Belshazzar promotes Daniel to a very high office in the kingdom, a royal office, which we know by him wearing purple. Daniel was considered third in charge. However, at the end, we see that Belshazzar is killed and Darius is made king. So the story picks up in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel. Darius decides that the kingdom he is overseeing is very large, so he does the smart thing and sets up 120 satraps or overseers of the kingdom. Darius then decides he needs three people to look over these satraps, right? Checks and balances. One of these officials was named Daniel. At this point, Daniel's reputation in the kingdom is probably very high. We, we've seen five chapters of what Daniel has done with him and his friend, his faith. And so, Daniel 6.3, we see this. We see that Darius trusts Daniel. It says, Then Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Well, the other officials and satraps became jealous. They were jealous of this, this exile from a different country coming in and being set up as this high official. Daniel rising to power so quickly. So they tried to find a ground for complaint against Daniel, but they couldn't find anything. In Daniel 6.5, it tells us that, so they decided to look, the satraps and the officials decided to look in a different way. They said, then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel. Unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So the officials and satraps that don't like Daniel, right, they go to King Darius. And they make him sign into law that no one is to make a petition to any God or man for 30 days. If someone does this, they would be thrown into the lion's den. Daniel knew. All right, this is important. Daniel knew that this law had been signed. But instead of following it, he did what he did every day, three times a day. He prayed. We see this in the scene in Daniel 11.13. These men came by agreement and found Daniel making a petition and a plea before his God. And they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king! Did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king, who likes Daniel, toils all day trying to find a loophole into this law that he signed. But unfortunately, he cannot. So Daniel is thrown into the lions' den, a stone is rolled over the entrance. And the king seals it with his signet. And also the officials and sabtrats seal it too. In Daniel 6.18, it says, Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No divisions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. The sun comes up. Darius runs to the lion's den and shouts down, Daniel, Daniel, are you still there? And to his excitement, Daniel was alive. And King Darius ordered Daniel to be released from the den. And then he did threw Daniel's accusers into it. Darius then writes to the entire nation a decree about Daniel's God. Daniel 6 shows us a couple of things. It shows us that faith delivered Daniel from the den of lions. And faith will deliver us from sin. We see that Daniel's life of prayer was evident in his life of faith. Daniel 6 is nothing more than the joyful picture of the gospel message. If we would look throughout the first five chapters of Daniel, we will see faith on display. When Daniel was taken to Babylonian, he remained faithful. In Daniel 1 8, it says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defy himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. In Daniel 2, Daniel is faithful by trusting God to reveal to him the meaning of Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. In Daniel 2 27, 28, Daniel said, Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king, the mystery that the king has asked. But there's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. In Daniel 3, we necessarily don't see Daniel's faith on display, but we see the faith of his friends. His three friends that don't bow down to the golden image, and Nebuchadnezzar does what? Throws them into a fiery furnace. We see his friends say this, he said, if this be your God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of your hand. In Daniel 4, we actually see Nebuchadnezzar pronounce some sort of faith for God. In Daniel 5.14, Belshazzar says this about Daniel, I have heard of you that the spirit of the gods is in you, and the light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. So we see that Daniel's life, all through Daniel's trials and troubles, His faith still remained. It's estimated that Daniel's about 70 years of age when he's thrown into the lion's den. For 70 years, Daniel had a life of faith, of seamless faith. His faith did not weary when he was sent to exile. His faith remained when his friends were thrown into the fiery furnace. His faith remained of the changing of Governments. His faith remained when he was thrown into the lion's den. Six times in Daniel's six, we see Daniel's faith mentioned. In six, three, it says, Excellent spirit was in him. Daniel's faith is evident. He is promoted to a high ranking status of the government. In six, four, we see, because he was faithful, Daniel served the government faithful. In 6.5, we see that Daniel's faithful to the laws of God. His friends can't find any complaint against him, So the only thing they have to go to is see is the laws of God. In 6.10, Daniel did something that he continually does. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he had previously done. In 6.16, King Darius says, May your God, whom you what? Serve continually deliver you. And of course in 6.23 it says that the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him. Why? Because he trusted in his God. Daniel trusted God. He was delivered from the mouth of the lion's Daniel's life was marked by faith, a Monday through Sunday faith. Daniel lived a life seeking after the Lord, trusting the Lord, serving the Lord, finding joy in the Lord. Church, if your life was to be written right now in a book, would it be characterized by seamless faith? Faith every single day. Faith in God who will deliver you from sin Deliver you from trials. Or would it be considered characterized by something else? Daniel's faith was also not stagnant. It didn't remain. It was constantly tested in trial. Daniel, like I said, was taken away in exile. He was made an official in a faraway land. His friends were thrown into a fiery furnace. He had to interpret dreams lest he would be killed and he was thrown into a lion's den. But each time, Daniel remained faithful. Our faith will go through trials. It will be tested. You will come to ask questions about God. You will disprove answers. You will seek other things. You will ask yourself, why God? But the Bible is clear when it talks about our faith in trials. In the New Testament, in the book of James, it says, count it all. Joy. My brother, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. These verses tell us explicitly that trials are designed to produce spiritual maturity and should therefore be counted as what? Joy. Not meaning worldly joy, but rather spiritual, enduring, complete joy in the Lord, who is sovereign over all things, including trials. If we remember the story of, of Matthew 4, 1-13, through 13, this is Jesus. Jesus was tested in the wilderness. This is our Savior who took away all our sins. Tested. How amazing is it to have a Savior who knows what it means to go through trials, to be tested. James tells us this testing is positive. And 1 Peter says this, it says that the tested genuineness of your faith that he calls more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found in the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Daniel's life was a life of trials, but a life of joy because of the abundance of faith that followed. Daniel trusted the Lord, and because of that, he was delivered from his trial, the den of lions. So I asked this question this morning, what is your den? Is it a project at work? Is it an individual at school, a family issue? Is it something that you haven't shared? Whatever it is, Jesus has the power to deliver you from the den of hurting. Deliver you from sin. To live a life of seamless faith. And the seamless is woven into everything. Faith at work, at school, at home, in Wegmans, at Starbucks, in the Apple store, wherever you go. Daniel's religion was evident to everyone in the kingdom. His faith was evident to everyone. We also see another important product of Daniel's faith. And that's prayer. Daniel was continually dependent upon God through prayer. C.S. Lewis says this about prayer. He says, relying on God has to be in all over again, every day if nothing yet had been done. Prayer is this unique aspect of our faith. It allows us to talk to God. Think about it for a second. How joyful it is to be able to talk to God to have a conversation with Him, to get on your knees and say, Lord, there's nothing that I can do. I'm relying on You. How joyful is it to have a Savior who listens, who has a conversation with You. Think about the times you've gotten to know somebody. How do you you usually get to know someone? By talking with them. By sitting down, praying, praying, talking with them. By continually talking with them. Getting to know someone better and better. If you are to dive deeper into your relationship with God, deeper into your faith with God, then you must have a life of prayer. Prayer is the unique avenue of where we get to say, It is not about me. It is about you, God. I am praying to you because I have faith. And I have faith knowing that you will deliver me from sin. You will deliver me from trial. I have faith that I will put my worries, my anxiety, my hurt, my pain. I have faith that you love me. We see this in Daniel 6.10. I won't read it for time's sake, but we see that Daniel got down on his knees three times a day. How many of us even get down on our knees once a month, once a week, once a year? How many of us even pray three times a day? And I don't mean that we have to get on our knees like Daniel does. We live in northern Virginia. Some of us have to commute. Pray in your car. Don't close your eyes, please. Right? Pray in your car. You're going to meet someone for lunch. Lord, give me a sign that I could share the gospel. You're in traffic. Lord, I'm praying in traffic because I hate traffic, but I want to talk to you. At your kids' soccer matches, at lacrosse, cheerleader. Right? Lord. Daniel prayed three times a day as he had previously done. Daniel, knowing this document was signed, didn't stop his prayer life, but continued to trust in the Lord. He had 365 days, 52 weeks out of the year, a prayer life. An ongoing prayer life. And Daniel's faith was evident in his prayer life. And we know that the Bible talks extensively about prayer. So shouldn't prayer be something important? Abraham prays to God to spare Sodom and Gomorrah. Noah prays to God about the floods. Moses and Aaron pray to God for wisdom. David has a heart that seeks the Lord. Job is steadfastness in his faith through prayer. Habakkuk prays to God after everything that happens. And that's just a small amount. Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily bread. Jesus goes and prays for his with God. He teaches his disciples to pray. He teaches us to pray. Paul prays without stopping. And so why do we have a life where... We pray when we only need God. Prayer is something that grows our relationship with God. It strengthens our faith, makes our hearts filled with joy. It says, Lord, I have the faith that you will deliver me from this trial, deliver me from sin, because you love me. Faith abounds when prayer is around. Let me make sure I say that again. Faith abounds when prayer is around. Daniel 6 teaches us the importance of faith. Faith in trials, faith, seamless faith. We see that prayer is a component of our walk, of our seamless faith. However, Daniel 6 also anticipates something. Daniel 6 anticipates Jesus dying on the cross, delivering us from the grasps of sin. Daniel being saved in the lion's den points us to Christ, saving us from sin. This is the decree that Darius makes at the end of Daniel. And if you read it, you notice that there's certain buzzwords that points us to Christ. I make a decree that all my royal dominion people are to be tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. He is the living God. Jesus was a living human. For he is living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. And then listen to what he says. He says, he delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lion. God's sole plan of redemption was for Christ to enter into our world as a man, go to the cross in our place, and die for our sins. So that we might be rescued from sin. And God rescued us. Not Philip, not Brian, not anyone. God rescued us. How? Through faith in Him. Daniel points forward to our ultimate Savior, someone who just didn't rescue us from the den of lions or our trials, but someone who rescues us from sin itself. Christ. Now we can go over and over in the New Testament, in all this language, but I just want to read a couple of pa- small passages. In 1 Corinthians fifteen one through 3 Paul is teaches this. He said, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also receive, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with Scriptures. In 1 Peter 2.24 it says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. Again, Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we become the righteousness of God. And in Hebrews 12.2, looking to Jesus, the founder and what perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Same in Hebrews 9.26, for the world he would have suffered repeatedly since the foundation of the world, but as it is, he appeared once and for all at the end of age to put away sin by sacrifice of himself. And then my favorite one, First 1 Timothy 1:15. 1 "The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that J- Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, who I am the foremost." Christ came into the world to save us, to rescue us from our sin. God rescued Daniel from the lion's den because of a seamless faith. Daniel's faith was evident in his prayer and relying on God. This is from the Children's Storybook Bible. This little quote says, God rescued Daniel. God would keep rescuing his people and is still rescuing his people the time was coming when God would send another brave hero, a braver hero, he would love God, do what God said, even at the cost of his life. This is the greatest rescuer, the greatest rescue ever. This is Jesus. And I want to close by reading this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So will you allow Jesus to rescue you from sin? This morning, you can make it... This is never heard this before, this is your opportunity to make a decision. To pray like Daniel prayed. To pray to say, God, I can't do this by myself. I want to put faith in you. I, want, I need faith through this trial. Lord, I need faith in you to rescue me from sin's grips, from death. Romans says the wages of sin is death. We're going to get ready to pray here in a minute. If you make that prayer, if you accept Christ in your heart, tell someone... Tell someone, because let's get excited. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being able here to come and, and worship you, Lord. Worship you in in song and prayer and and worship you and just reading your word, Lord. Lord, we thank you for Daniel's his life, his life of faith, his seamless life of faith. Lord, I pray that in this room, we're all going through something. We all have our own den, Lord. And and I pray in, in just relying on You, Lord. And sometimes that's hard because we can't physically see You we we sometimes we don't hear you in prayer. So it's easier for me to go somewhere that is tangible, that I can touch, that I know will bring me some sort of instant satisfaction. Lord, and I, I wonder through the trials of, of, of Daniel's life, did he say, You know what? I'm just gonna bow down to this, this golden statue. I'm just, I'm just going to eat this, this food because I, I can't do it. Instead, it says that he got on his knees three times a day, every day, continually, praying to you, relying on you. Lord, if there is someone in this room who needs to give up, lay something at the cross, Lord, I pray that they do that now. Lord, we also see the amazing story of, of Jesus in Daniel 6. Of God delivering, rescuing Daniel from the lion. And we see a better Daniel in the New Testament, and that's Jesus. Lord, if there's someone in this room today who this is the first time they've heard that Jesus rescues, saves you from sin, from death, Lord. I pray that they reach out to you. They reach out and say, Lord, I can't do it. My own doing. I can't work hard enough. But I know you've done the work on the cross. Lord, I pray that they make a decision to put their faith in the one who saves. Lord, we thank you for fellowshipping we thank you for your Son. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>